This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the 360 Recruiting Podcast, presented by Sooners360.com. I'm your host, Matt, joined as usual by my co-host. We have Chris Mason, our lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners 360, and Caleb Cummings, a.k.a. Mr. Sooner 55, our film guru. Uh, Before we jump into the show, just a reminder to subscribe to the 360 Recruiting Recruiting Podcast on your favorite platform of choice. And thank you for joining us for episode number 19. Guys, we're already to 19. Uh, We're calling this one, The Rankings War Has Begun. And OU aims for another huge weekend. So, Chris, it's been a big shakeup over on On3.com. They're changing up their own rankings, how they do that, and some other changes as well. Uh, what were the big rankings changes this time around? Well, the the big rankings in terms of their own rankings, their internal ranking system, the, the first big one was they dropped David Stone all the way down to number 64 in the nation in their rankings. Um, and their composite, he's still number 12. Um, but he's now 64. He is number four on 247, 14 on Rivals, and 14 on ESPN. So he's dropped probably, I think, about 50 spots. And on Twitter, he is not happy about it. He is extremely pissed that he's been dropped this many points and is now internally uh, their number seven defensive lineman in the question, in the country. In fact, he was asking, you know, who the hell are the seven guys better than me in the country? So uh, it was it was quite funny. And then Nigel Smith, the OU target, the all everything defensive end from uh, Nigel, Texas, he's down to number 82, and he's been slowly dropping. Um, and then Caden Durham, the running back from Duncanville that we have talked about on this show a lot, and we we all really love him. He he didn't move up at all. He's like number 200 and has like 17 running backs in front of him. And, and again, on Twitter, he's openly challenging, like, you know, who the hell are the 17 running backs better than me? Uh, so those are the drops. but. On in terms of guys that rose up, uh, Bryant Wesco has now bounced up all the way to number 25 in the nation. That's not 25th wide receiver. He's the number 25 kid in the country. And then OU uh, defensive end target, uh, one of Caleb's favorite players, uh, Benedict Yuma from Avon Farms, Connecticut. He has moved up all the way to number, I believe it's number 24 in the nation. So he's basically jumped a whole bunch of guys on their rankings. I got right here. He's number, yeah, he's number 24 on the on three rankings. He's um, in their their industry composite, he's 116. But he's he's unranked on ESPN. He is a three-star on 247. 
and he is uh, rivals loves him. They have him 139th in the nation, but he's number 24 in the nation. So, Caleb, I, I know you've watched David Stone in the past, and I know you love the film on Yuma. Can you can you kind of give me a what what do you think on three's thinking with this kind of I mean, Yuma was unranked previously, jumped all the way to number 24 on on three's rankings. So uh, what do you, what do you think on this drop of David Stone? And conversely, this this huge rise by Ben by OU offer Benedict Yuma. Yeah, that's uh I don't think I don't think the, the drop for Stone is warranted. Uh, you know, we probably have to comb through the full set of rankings to see if it was a slight drop coupled with a bunch of other kids coming in as risers like Yuma. Uh, between the two, I think you're probably spit, splitting hairs a little bit when you watch them. So Uma, he's listed at 6'5", 260. He looks every bit that he's got an extremely impressive frame and body type. I really don't think that his body type is unlike uh, PJ Adabore uh, and his brother in that it's his ability. I think we'll see to gain like explosive lean mass. It's going to be really easy for him. Uh, David stone listed a six, four, two seventy to me. Stone looks bigger on film. Than 270. Yeah, he I looks, think he's I think he's close to like 6'5, 285, really. See, that I mean that's when I watch him, I think to myself, he's closer to 290. I think Stone is further developed, uh, further along in his development than Uma. But you know, it's one of these things like you can tell to me watching Stone how impactful IMG has been. Because I'll be completely honest, Chris, when, when you shot this over and said, Hey, what do you think about this? My first thought was, man, you know, looking back on it, I like Uma more. Personally, I think he's got a natural twitch to him. Like, yeah, I kind of go back to like, well, some of that stuff you see with PJ on film where his ability to just when he's coming up field and he's got to change direction, it's very natural. It's does not his body does not think about it for him to drop his butt, redirect and explode out and keep moving. Right. It's just you can see he's a, he's a very great body control. And, you know, though he's a dual sport guy, played soccer or basketball. But it's to, so to me, I see him and think, my God, he's six, five two sixty. has not been in anything close to what a lot of these kids coming out of, you know, these top programs are nowadays. Right. They don't have, you know, these great strength coaches. Uh so and it, and it looks like he's from I've never seen this before, but on three saying he's originally from Toronto. So okay, so he's maybe a Canadian prospect who's gone to Avon Old Farms as a prep school situation. So he he may be that raw, right? Like that he's never really, you know, we know the Canadian foot, we know Canadian, <laughs> we know there's good prospects from Canadian football, but the last one we that OU had experience was was Neville Gallimore. And we know he was really raw, right? He could have used, you know, two more years in two more years in college, really. Yeah, no, I mean, he he could have he really could have benefited from from working with a, someone like a Todd Bates uh, throughout his entire career. You know, I think he he, he there was a ton of potential there. Uh, I think at the end, he probably, you know, the the scheme that Grinch ran, where it was, well, we're not really going to teach technique. You just get up the field and, and shoot this gap. Probably benefited him. 
But I'll, back to the stone and Uma, I'll be honest, like watching it uh, and stone is extremely strong, uses his hands really well. He's playing fantastic competition and he's bullying people. Uh, you know, so, I mean, if you told me stone's a better player today, maybe Uma's the, he's got a bit small amount more of ceiling, right. Of upside than what stone does. I, I wouldn't argue, I, but I, I don't. There's not, there's not a, a 50 or a 60 player gap between the two or, or a 40, you know, player gap between the two. It doesn't, I agree with David Stone. There's not, what did he say? Seven defensive linemen in this class that are better than him. I, I don't think, I don't yeah. think there's anywhere close to that. You know, two names that on three have ranked higher than him um, that are true defense. I think, I mean, Stone's a defensive tackle too, right? So let's not, there's two names they have above him, Justin Scott, the, the Chicago area guy who's probably good in Notre Dame or Ohio State. And then my 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 recruit crush, the Dominic McKinley kid from Louisiana. So I, I think there's maybe a little, I think maybe on threes had a case. They kind of do a blank slate ranking system a little bit. Um, I think maybe they're just kind of bored with David Stone and with his film and just dropped him. I, I, I don't understand any other real rationale because – as you said last year at IMG, David Stone's the best guy on the field in several games where they're playing. He's he's as a junior is the best player on the field against seniors that are just super, you know big time players. I mean, guys like um, uh, you know the the Damon Moore. I think his name is Damon Moore, who ended up at UGA, who was like a top five uh, defensive end. You know. Um, UGA played his high school. I mean, IMG played his high school and, and Stone was better than him. He looked better than him on the field. Um, so it's, it's, it's a kind of a weird ranking and, you know, they, they do this blank slate. And sometimes I think they're, I think they're just vacillating wildly. Like they dropped, um, they redid their rankings and Jeremiah Smith, the top wide receiver going to Ohio state. Who's that? Uh, who's from Hollywood? Um, Hollywood Browns High School, Chaminade in in Florida. They they dropped him down to seventy five. Then they moved him back up to three. So um, I don't know. I, I I don't mind the blank slate, but I think sometimes I think that they're they're making wild changes for 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 perhaps some some dubious reasons. Yeah, you know what? I think God. I think you nailed it. Right. I think I actually, I really do. Uh, when you, when you point out, uh, David Stone has been, has been a known commodity since he was what, maybe a freshman at Dale city. Yeah. Uh, everybody knew like, Hey, this is a future five-star kid and he's gone on and it, yeah, I, it feels like it's just a, a factor of, Hey, fatigue, we see the, fatigue almost yeah, for them. It's like, fatigue we see this exactly. Hey, we saw this new kid we haven't heard of and He really flashed and he does. Right. Or these other kids, I don't for the life of me. I, and Justin Scott's a good player. Right. But he's Justin Scott is not near the penetrating, impactful, disruptive force that either Uma or or David Stone is and not even close to David Stone. Justin Scott's a guy that you watch and you think, hey, he might he maybe is a better offensive lineman. because He's, he's a really big guy that's going to play, you know, an interior, you know, uh, fit well. And I think I, he, I think he's the nose guard you play next to David Stone, right? Exactly, exactly. And, <laughs> and, and, and who and who goes? Who, I mean, like just watch the NFL draft, right? Who's going to go before who? The disruptive interior pass rusher 
or the hold the point of attack interior run defender. It's, you know, name of the game is disrupt the quarterback, right? The fastest way to do that is interior pass rushers. And so I think David Stone, I think you nailed it. It's uh, they, you watch his film. It's like, Oh, here's a kid who's been dominating for two years. It's just more of him dominating. You watch another kid. Oh, he flashed there. It's like, okay, yeah, I get it. He flashed, but this other kid's dominating every play. You just, we just kind of, you know, combing over that because it's what he does. Okay. Well, we've, now we've talked about some individual recruit issues that we might have with on three, totally mixing some things up. They're also changing their entire methodology uh, as far as industry rankings. Chris, what's what's the latest here? What what direction are they heading in? Well, so let's just recap a little bit about how things usually worked. So they're changing their composite methodology considerably. And previously, their composite rankings were an equal mix, 25% weight for ESPN, 247, Rivals, and their own rankings. 247 composite, who we tend to use the most uh, on this podcast and on our uh, 360 Sunus 360 recruiting conversations, we tend to talk from a rankings perspective. We tend to use 247 composite the most. And they're doing a 25% blend between the four as well. But on three came out and said, well, we're we're not going to do that any longer. We're going to give our rankings 35% weight. We're going to give on sorry, 247's 35%. We're dropping rivals to 25 to 20, and we're dropping ESPN all the way to 10. Now I can kind of understand a little bit of what they're doing, but it makes me wonder where where we're heading in perhaps a rankings war. Um, if I'm rivals right now, I'm I'm fast tracking a composite ranking product for my website. And I'm probably waiting on three lower. Um, maybe I'm leaving ESPN out. Um, I'm not sure ESPN, you know, the worldwide leader in sports, they're not really in this recruiting business. But uh, they have, they, they have got to have a huge ego, and I've got to maybe be a little annoyed. Um, Lugan Bell and uh, is probably a little annoyed that his rankings have been dropped on some level. So I just really wonder where where is this going? Um, I, I think. I'll give my rationale why I think on three has dropped it. And I think, you know, I'd love to hear your guys' opinions on on all of this is I think they dropped ESPN because ESPN doesn't update their rankings enough. And I think they dropped, I think they dropped rivals because they don't like rivals network of, of analysts at this point. But Matt, uh, Caleb, w- what do you think about all this? It's it's a pretty radical change from how the industry had been more or less working in a, hey, you have your rankings, we we have our rankings, and let's just all be happy. I mean, they're basically saying Rivals is worth roughly 60% of their own rankings. Uh, and, you know, Rivals is obviously the, the longest tenured 
of these groups if they are. if uh, you don't consider ESPN, which really they weren't really in the recruiting game back then anyway. Um, longest tenured, uh, I know some of those guys have been with rivals for a long time. On three is the newest of this group. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. They're they're no. only three years old. Is it three years? Maybe a little yeah. bit longer. I, I think three years is a good guess. Yeah. I don't think and, they've been and they're coming in and saying to the world, we are just as good as 247. We're we're claiming the top spot with 247, who is also newer than rivals, and saying the old guard isn't good enough anymore. We're gonna bring them down 40%. And then ESPN, which I get this. I mean, Luganville's been around for a long time. I feel like he kind of knows what he's doing. And ESPN is obviously, like you said, the worldwide leader in sports. They're just not putting enough resources into recruiting to justify anything higher than 10%. 10% is probably pretty accurate, honestly. Um, And Chris, you mentioned something. I can't remember if it was last podcast or maybe just in passing uh, that you actually, by the end of the year, ESPN usually has pretty solid rankings overall. Um, maybe not the best, but it seems like by the end of the year with their limited resources, they kind of have it figured out. So maybe 10% is a little too low relative to the rest, but I, they also I can, they, they also get good access to the, um, the Under Armour game, I think really helps them yeah, flesh, exactly. out their, flesh out their rankings. Because they're able to get as many of the top kids in the country, put them head to head, and really, I think that helps them. I mean, they they legitimately moved PJ Adeware up because of the Under Armour game, and Jackson Arnold uh, and a number of OU players. They're like, whoa, these guys are really good. Especially PJ, we've got to boost him all the way up. And they they didn't have him ranked when the year began, so I think for them, you've hit it. They don't. They just they don't have the personnel. Craig Hubert, I believe, is there. Their web, the number one web guy for them on recruiting, and he does a good job, but he they just don't enough of them. But I, but I mean, middle of the year, yeah, I think ESPN's rankings are pretty much are pretty far off because they haven't looked at enough kids. But by the end of the year, I'm not sure this 10 percent mark is really fair. Yeah, I, you know, on the ESPN piece, I don't know. I don't know what type of resources are giving to it. I think you touched on something there, Chris, with or Matt, with you know their access to the Under Armour game, and maybe that allows them to hit on uh, some of the higher ranked kids more. But I mean, I'll be honest, the majority—I don't care if it's on three, if it's two, four, seven, two, four, seven, probably less than anyone else. But on three and rivals, they're not doing a lot of evals. They're doing some evals. What they're doing is what everybody else does. They're looking at what the offer sheet says. This player X has offers from Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Texas. Player B has offers from Kent State, Wyoming, Idaho, whomever, and, and they're slotting in kids, you know, the majority of them there. I think that's probably what uh, ESPN does for the majority of guys that are outside of the top 100 or 200. And again, their top 200 are just going by. Here's all the kids with all the offers from all the schools. They're relying on the collegiate programs to do the majority of the evaluations for them. And then they're just slotting in kids based on, you know, 
to other things here and there, right? What I don't like, and I think it's really transparent to me, is I mentioned this previously. To me, it looks like on three is just trying to take a shot at their biggest competitor, which is rivals. Uh, and they're trying to take a dig at them and devalue them as a business. I don't think them changing their process adds any value to the kids who obviously, as you can tell from David Stone and uh, Caden Durham, really care about these rankings. I don't think they've taken that into account. I don't think they've taken fans into account on what they think either. Uh, I don't I always agree with what rivals puts out, but I also know. You know, on three, it's got, I think, 28 sites. So there's 28, maybe double that up, right? But let's maybe they maybe they have 60 people that are working uh, for team sites that are going out and seeing some of these recruits that, you know, their prospective programs they cover are recruiting so they can report back and say, hey, I saw these kids during spring or during the season, and here's, here's what I see. Rivals has got, you know, what, 75, 80? team sites. They've got a lot of folks out there seeing people, you know, guys that run the West Virginia site. They're going to go see West Virginia kids and Virginia kids and folks that, you know, run uh, the Nebraska site or whatever, right? They're they're going throughout those places. And I know some of those sites have moved over to on three, but they backfilled them. Uh, I, I don't think there's a reason to, to drop rivals, you know, and devalue it that way. I don't have as much of a issue with, with doing so. On, on ESPNs, I don't I don't know as much. I find it interesting though. That I think Kyle mentioned this right that as it as it breaks out uh, historically, the last I don't know however many years has been uh, last decade, half decade, the rivals rankings have actually they've shaken out better on average when when you see how the college career goes in the draft position than what two four seven has. So it's interesting that they would drop them and, and keep two two four seven high, just given that what the data says. Yeah, it's it's just for some some background, and, and I'm not making any accusations here at all. But uh, the guy that runs on three started Rivals, sold it to I think Yahoo at the time. Then he started two four seven, sold it to CBS Sports, and now he started on three dot com and. He has to sit out like a non-compete after he sells him for a while. So I I think he's just kind of taking a hit shot at his old company. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that 24 – I think 247's um, methodology is probably the best. They do the most updating, and I think I trust their national guys a little bit more right now. Um, so I'm fine with that, but if you if you told me that – on three's rankings were forty percent better than rivals. I would say, yeah, yeah, I, I, that's that's you're in fantasy land. There, there, there's probably a percent or two difference between the two of them, maybe. Right. Yeah. I. I just, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think you held it right there. There's just not much of a difference between any of them, and I think by and large, I think a large part of that is just driven by, I think their evals are colored by the offer sheets and who are recruiting a lot of these kids. You just don't see, you don't see any of them very often, maybe ever, right? Idea kid that they just love that doesn't have an offer list to go with it and just say, you know what? We, we think this kid, you know, they don't, is, is it right? They don't see Isaiah Simmons at six, three, six, at six, four, two, ten, state champion, uh, long jumper, you know, D one power five long jump, uh, with 
really good 200 meter times. Like they don't see him and think, Oh, you know, everybody's got it wrong. Uh, you know, with his offer list, he should have way more. We're going to bump him to a top, a top 50 players. Like now they, they look at the film and they go, it's really good. I don't understand. Nobody's offered, but we're going to keep him down here at a three-star, you know? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's weird because, you know, and and I, and I know some of our listeners are probably like, well, it's just rankings, guys. But the the rankings world is 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 no longer just sort of this fringe recruiting lunatic world that that I used to live in um, back in the early two thousands. I mean, I just watched the NFL Combine. Brian Breesy is being mentioned as a five star. Um, a number Owen Popo, the Auburn linebacker, was being mentioned as the former number one linebacker in the country. Nolan Smith, exactly five star from a five star. So, and this language is getting used all over college football on game day when we watch games on whatever platform or network you're watching. You're you know you're hearing the rankings being thrown around, and they were thrown around all game during the national title game, right? I mean, if 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 we could have if I'd had to take a drink every time I heard them say five-star defensive line for Georgia, I'd have been like hammered by the middle of the second quarter. <laughs> I mean, to your point, right? Every time Georgia and Alabama play someone, it doesn't matter if it's on ESPN or if it was on CBS, you know, or if you know, Alabama was playing at Texas this year, that game was on Fox. All three of those networks in the beginning of the game showed a graphic that showed how many five stars versus four stars and three stars each program had when they talk about the talent gap. They say, well, look at all the five stars Alabama has compared to, you know, insert their opponent. So it is everyone, you know, uses that label on on all these kids these days. And those kids, you know, they want that badge. And we're, we're as bad as, I mean, OU will be as bad about this as anybody. You You can't tell me part of the spring push is going to be come see five-star Jackson Arnold, which should be <laughs> part of the marketing huge, should be a huge push. It's part of our marketing pitch for our spring game should be come see, come see Jackson Arnold play five-star future, future, future quarterback of OU. Come see his first, come see him playing in spring ball. Um, you know, and, and if something, if something, you know, this fall, if something, performance-wise or health-wise was to happen to uh, Dylan Gabriel, you can't tell me the five-star marketing machine for Jackson Arnold won't go into overdrive. I mean. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. It is a, uh, it is a, it is a brand badge marketing tool. And it's an easy tool, right? It's an easy hype tool. And for big time programs, like if you're Ohio state, Oklahoma, you know, um, you got big fan bases like Texas or, you know, Texas A&M with their big super class, right? I mean, you know, five-star this, five-star that. I mean, that's that's kind of what they tried to go for, and, and they succeeded at least in one class. So it's for it's going to be interesting. If I was rivals today, I would be I'd, I'd be telling my DBA guys, you know, I, I need a I need a I need a composite ranking tomorrow, and I need to, you go ahead and make on three fifteen percent along with ESPN. <laughs> just such a stab back. So, so or, on our or, side on, on 360, you know, we're, we're a startup. We're not a huge brand. We don't have national analysts or anything like that. So, so far we have been using the two, four, seven composite just because 
balanced view. It's the fairest. It's the, it's the most balanced view out there. So, you know, when this on three thing happened, it was kind of a quick, what do we do about this? Well, I think we just discovered our answer. I mean, I think we just continue with the 247 composite with the fair and balanced um, rating system just because you guys both touched on it. it just seems very political and like they're just trying to take a stab at you know one of their main competitions yeah it's it's i just wonder if we're but like i said before everything was you know more or less pretty friendly right like okay you know you you have this guy ranked here hey no big deal we have him ranked here i just wonder if we're going to start to see things get a little a little icier uh, and a little more well, our, our rank, you know, a little more. Well, our rankings are more certified than their rankings. Um, you know, things along those. I mean, Rivals is, you know, I mean, two four seven copied Rivals format, right? We can all say that they came afterwards. It's it did everything, and it, they've done some improvements, and they have some stuff Rivals doesn't have. You know, and on three is not breaking any new territory except for this nil tracking they're doing, which I find interesting but i I have to say i find a little dubious yeah Um, they've they had a brawny james on there as the number one with like seven and a half million or something was their estimate for him yeah yeah basketball's a whole other whole other crazy though it's still crazy it's still still (laughs) fantasy it's still fantasy land yeah you're right but like how do you put a number on a billionaire the the first you know, billionaire sports athlete while he's still playing. And he's not, and he's not like the number one kid of the nation. He's like number no. 40. He's like number 49. And apparently so, he shouldn't even be that close, but. Uh, yeah. There's all kinds of opinions there, but it's, it's, you know, I think Caleb's right. It's, it's pretty cynical. It's, 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 I just wanted to give us, give us a chance to talk about it on this podcast because we talk about ratings all the time. So I can't, out of one mouth, say, ah, ratings don't matter. And then say, and then this, and as we're about to talk about in the latter part of this podcast, this five-star kid's visiting this weekend. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, I just don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth without, without us having a chance to like talk about it a little bit. Well, let's talk about some of those uh, players. And the dead period is finally over, but there was a lot of activity for a dead period. Um, exactly how dead was it, Chris? Well, like you guys, I thought, it, you know, it's a dead period. And I thought we'd be struggling to put together some podcasts and it might be a, it might be a little bit of a song and dance show. And, and, and I think we did a little bit of song and dance last week with our uh, recruit rank, old time recruit ranking stuff. Um, but when I look back at it, OU offered 30 kids for 24 in uh, February. They offered 15 for 25. And they even made three twenty-six offers, which is like really out there. So, you know, Matt and Caleb, we've been kind of throwing around OU's changing their philosophy and maybe doing some things different than last year. So were, were these numbers kind of a surprise to you? I was blown away, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I still am. Because I think there's been a couple more offers today. I uh, I don't know what to make of it uh, overall, other than I think they're just continually finding really good football players. Because you know, we talked about this uh, last week. When you dig in and watch these kids, you know you can think, oh yeah, that that makes sense. He 
he looks as good, maybe a little better than someone that was offered back in, you know, in November and is ranked as a, you know, composite 150 player. Right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I think, you know, I'm probably going to repeat something I said last week. I, I think it just goes to show maybe the process and the infrastructure that, that, Brent Venables has got put in place because they are, uh, man, there are some really good offers. I can think of offensive line sticks out to me. Uh, there are more kids they've offered this year, uh, like high end when you watch films, I'm just like, wow, that's a really good player. It'd be great if they get them. I mean, there's a bunch of those. And I think in years past, Chris, I know we'd have these conversations where you're sitting there going, man, if they can just get this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy, that's who they really need. And you're sitting there this, you're going, okay, well, you know, if they can get one of these, then get four or five of the, five of these 20 kids, they're set because I mean, they're really good offers. Yeah, I was, I was a little surprised the numbers were this high and what I'm going to do is I'm going to track these 30. So, Matt, I'm going to track these 30 kids moving forward and just see where they end up in OU's process, how many of them make make visits, how many of them are Sooners, and just see a little bit about, you know, what happened to the what happened to the February kids. So I'm at least going to track the 24 February kids, and I'm probably going to try and track the 25 kids later on for, for a little deeper, deeper information. Maybe that's something I can – Hand off to some of our uh, secret secret stats guys in the background of our of our of our podcast, but it was it was just shocking that there were that many these many kids. Um, we do have a you know we do know continue, OU's continue to make evaluations. The supporting staff is you know is work has been working hard on more and more evaluations. I don't know if those are twenty five kids, uh, but it's. Just the breadth and length of the D-line offers alone. I know you made two more D-line offers like end the year. They just offered another kid uh, from the from I believe the Dallas area. Uh, it's it's just stunning how much D-line talent OU found this year. One of the kids coming in this weekend, we've mentioned before, Caleb Reed got an offer this month. He's uh he's an edge rusher from St. Louis to Smith. We mentioned him last week. You know, he has over 20 sacks and his film's really good. It's like, where's this guy been hiding? So it's it's not a dead period if it's not a dead period if OU's able to make 48 offers. I know the guys were out of the office and took vacation as much as they could. You know, all credit to them. But when the when the dead period has 48 offers, what what's what's what is March gonna look like? It's crazy. And in tracking that will be interesting too, because then then we'll know a little bit more about next year. Uh it'd, it'd be interesting to compare the two because last year it was a lot slower, but you know, it was early on into the tenure of you know this coaching staff. So yeah, yeah. March think, and eight March and April were crazy. So we're starting a little earlier. Maybe next year it's even earlier. So we'll have to see what the difference is there. Um, I think the philosophy is is good. You know, we've talked about it almost ad nauseum at this point that you just got to get a relationship started with these kids. And, you know, this day and age, sometimes that just takes, Hey, here's an offer. You know, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. So it's, it's, it's interesting how, you know, the, the social demographics have changed a little bit in the last 20 years, obviously um, with, 
you know, how these kids are. So I think there's a little bit of that going into it, plus a little bit of like we've discussed before, come November, you miss out on a guy you've been pushing hard for. Uh, for 12 months, well, then just pick up the phone and call the 30 other offers that you have have made and established relationships with. So be interesting to see uh, how how that does track over the next few months for those guys, Chris. Yeah, because I think we know, you know, we know some names we think OU is going to go to the mattresses with. um, And maybe that player decides in August. And now OU is in a position to have three or four guys that they can you know, fast track again in September. So they're not quite, I don't want to say OU was held, uh, was was a little looking looking for options last year, but they were a little bit when they lost, uh, lost out on a couple of D-line kids. They were able to make up with it. I really like uh, Taylor Wine and Marcus Strong and Ashton, uh, Ashton Sanders. But I, I think Bates and maybe Venables are saying, yeah, I don't want to be lucky this year. I want to. I want to have. I want you guys to have really scouted the country, and they have. There's offers from all over the place. Yeah. You, the thing I'm interested to watch is normally in in the recruiting cycle uh, that you have the spring eval period, right? So here coming up. Uh, as we get into spring ball, the coaches will be able to get out on the road and go watch some of these high school kids, and you tend to see things uh, pop then a little bit. I'm curious if they've just made decisions, you know, of of being able to watch the film and if they've sped that process up or if we're also going to see a big push or maybe maybe not as big given what just happened. But if we see a push of offers uh, come later in the spring. And then the question is, right, how does, you know, how do all these mix together and, and you know, meld? How, what does that board look like from a, you know, hierarchy perspective of who they like and, and where they sit with them all. Well, yeah, what al- yeah, sorry, go ahead, Matt. Well, what also changes that is, you know, who actually visits. And there's a big visit weekend this weekend where a lot of these guys are making it to Norman. Uh, it's the second big weekend of the spring. Uh, if you consider the January weekend spring. Um, so we're calling it the sequel. Uh, we've been teasing it for a few weeks. Uh, Chris, you know, we've talked about some of these guys already, but but who are the big names that are coming to campus? Because there's a big difference in getting an offer and actually scheduling a trip to come to Norman. Well, the first big name, and we've talked about him a bunch, but he's Williams Weneri. He is a defensive end from Missouri, uh, from Summit North, teammate of Caden Green. Uh, his coach is Jamar Mosey, former OU player and teammate of um, several Sooner staffers, and and was coached by knows Brent Venables has known Brent Venables for uh, at least twenty five years. You know, at this point, uh, he's going to be back on campus. He's now the number two player in the country, according to on 3com and he's pretty much getting close to that ranking with everyone else. So he's he's the biggest name. And if just him alone was visiting, that would be like enough. But 247, all credit to them, all credit to the 247 guys on this and to Steve Wiltfong. Steve Wiltfong's reporting that Edric Houston uh, from Buford, Georgia, he's a defensive end, 6'3", 255. He's a five-star player as well. And uh, was it was it TD Roof? 
You is are that, correct. CD Roof is a is a Buford product. Is a Buford product. So there are some deep connections at Buford uh, with the OU staff, and I've seen some interviews with Edric that have been posted online on YouTube, and he seems very very interested in OU. So this could this this could be a, this story could be nothing in a two weeks, or this could be something because if if you make noise with Wendy, Edric Houston, and you're keeping the 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 accelerated down on David Stone, you're you're talking about a, a D line class that seems seems impossible for OU to really grab. Now we've said that before. We thought the previous class had that potential. It did. Um, so it, it's interesting, but he's a five-star number 14 player in the nation going to be on OU's campus. That's that's a big story. And then again, 247 is reporting that Kobe Black, the Waco cornerback, who's a five-star by several services, also could be on campus. So it, it's hard to go. If OU could add three five-star defenders or get in the mix for three five-star defenders, it's really hard to imagine a better start um, than that for this weekend, but there's lots of other interesting, interesting names coming on campus. Caleb, who, which of these guys do you like? The most? That's a difficult question. Uh, Buford's really good. I, I want to know. I really want to know how big he is. Uh, he's listed anywhere from as short as six, three as tall as six, four, and as light as 235, as heavy as 257 online. You look at him physically, and he's got an impressive frame with like the absolute tons of, of growth potential. Uh, you know, if you told me that he grows into just a, a monster of a of a interior defensive tackle, you know, to give you an idea, like I mean Jalen Carter, who may still potentially be a you know a high draft pick. He was certainly, uh, certainly the fastest, fastest guy on the draft. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the Trailhawks Hall. Uh, he was 6'4", 270, coming out of Popka. Uh, you know, you look at guys like Fletcher Cox uh, and help me with uh, Chris Jones, right? Yeah, they were yeah. both coming out of high school. They were 6'5", 6'4", 255, 260, 265. They were just in that range. With those types of body types, it's it's one of those things and I've noticed from just following this forever. If you're 255 going into your junior year of high school, it's a funny way of being 290 pounds going into your you know freshman or sophomore year of college. Just you know, eating a bunch, lifting weights, maturing. Uh, so I'm really interested to see like how big he is. Uh, it's hard not to like Kobe Black. Uh, you know, you watch the film and uh, I mean, I immediately when I watched the film, I thought, my God, he's big. He look, he's listed as six foot one ninety. looks bigger. Uh, I mean, I'm, honestly, this is sounds crazy. I started going back and seeing how big was Patrick Peterson listed coming out of like, I think Pompano beach. I think is where he came out of And Peterson was listed at six, one, one ninety three. because, you know, black is, uh, I think black is particularly for the defense, what Oklahoma wants to do. He's just an ideal fit five-star. Uh, you know, corner out of out of Waco. That's uh, you know, for whatever odd reason, don't know what it is. Oklahoma over the last, I don't know, twenty years, you know, DFW, whether it's Waco or you know Houston, has produced a ton of you know 
top end five star defensive backs, corners in particular. And Oklahoma's not got their share of them for whatever reason. They've gone to Texas, LSU, uh, you know, Texas AM, they've gone other places. So, you know, they're uh, like unicorns for the OU. We can't, we can't, we can see them from a distance, but we can't. They're like mythical beasts for us. It's, it's wild. It almost makes no sense, uh, you know, but I, I think, you know, this staff's defensive prowess is probably going to turn that around because to your point, like you look at, at Houston and my gosh, like that's just another five-star or, you know, say, let's even just call him a top 50, you know, kid, but, you know, top 50 player in the country that plays defensive line, but is going to show up to Norman and to, to Matt's point, right? I think that's what the staff wants to see is these kids are, you know, interested, right? It's not just they can turn around and say, hey, look, Oklahoma offered. Uh, you know, you know, OU's in the top 12, right? Like, hey, it's my top 12. And then we're like, okay, big deal. Top 10, okay, we're there. Top eight, okay, we're there. And then like top five, like we just disappear. It's like, okay, not another yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, of, of, the, of the newer kids, of the newer names, those two jump out. I mean, if you said, hey, pick one of the three, I'd, I'd probably take Noary just because, uh, you know, again, like it's a, another five star defensive end out of Kansas City. And you pair him with PJ and you've got, what Oklahoma's never had at the defensive end position, which is two legitimate, you know, kids with first round potential. Yeah, I mean, well, we gotta get we gotta get it mentioned somehow, right? I mean, PJ's brother just blew the doors off the combine today. Um, so it just makes you drool at what maybe PJ could be. Um, for those that know, PJ's brother is measured at the combine about 6'2, 282, I think. And ran a four four nine in the forty, so um, doesn't seem real. It does. It's it's a, it's an absurd number. It seems like a seems like he's a character out of um, Dragon Ball Z or something. Who just went into like Super Saiyan mode and ran a four four or something like that. Uh, There's just something that doesn't make sense, and I'll go back to it. Right, there, <laughs> it's got to be the training for the combine because you've got guys now that are defensive tackles or defensive ends in particular, you, you see this with defensive ends. Uh, Matt, you mentioned uh, what was, what was Nolan Smith's time? Uh, four, three, nine. So you're telling me Nolan Smith runs a faster 40 yard dash than what Adrian Peterson did. Like, but if you line them up and you run them, you run Adrian Peterson as a rookie against Nolan Smith. Uh, Nolan Smith never catches him. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it's crazy. Um, Caleb, I, I know I sent you some names late. Did you have a chance to look at either of the offensive linemen I sent you? I did. Uh, I, got a, I got a crush on on the bricks. I knew he you is. would. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's weird, right? Like I'm watching that thing. Like I keep waiting to see a pass set from his team. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. They're not going to pass the ball much. They're in a, they're in a wishbone look. Uh, they're just <laughs> running the football. But, I mean. He looks, I mean, he's, he's every bit of 260, listed at 6'6", 260. If you told me he was 270, if he's just, he's really well built, plays really low pad level, comes off the ball flat back and is just, uh, he is a nasty finisher. Uh, I think I wrote down, you know, he really reminds me of, I, I think he's a guard probably because you don't see him yeah. in that, you know, play tackle, but man, he is the exact guard that type of guard that, I mean, probably everybody wants. He's the type of guy that, you know, Iowa has been 
pumping out for the last 15, 20 years under Ference that goes off and, you know, starts however long in the NFL, uh, you know, but just a big got length to him, extremely physical. Uh, yeah. I mean, you pair him next to Poe and, and, and you've got, you've got two guards that, uh, with are, bad, in, are, bad intent. Bad intent. I think, you know, honestly, like to me, it's one of the first things that kind of stuck out a little bit watching his film is I watched more uh, Tate. We did the the running back uh, spring preview, right, for 2023. And so in that was going back and watching particularly quite a bit of all, well, really all of the run game from uh, the Cheez-It Bowl. And Orlovsky said it in there when he was doing the uh, broadcast, but it just sticks out and you hear Jeff Levy say it all the time. Like the mentality, the the culture they want from the offensive line is physical. Like they want to just beat people up. And like, that's what Poe and Bricks bring. You got, and you know, I think Jake Taylor is going to bring that. It's just, it's a mentality and it's an approach and then it's the play on the field. It's all of that. And I think Savion Burke, going to bring it to he's got uh hopefully he doesn't you know i think he's, he's got the potential to play maybe outside of the whistle he's got extra nasty in him uh and then you know the the warren kid out of sugarland he's got all the tools and like that's one of the things i wrote down right he's you see i thought it was interesting you look at him like pictures of him he's definitely gained weight from the start of uh over the past year but he's still long i mean what is he six seven he plays basketball. Funny enough, his basketball uh, huddle lists him as six eight, uh, but he's anywhere six six to you know maybe a little over that. Uh, lean three hundred pounds. He's a really good player. Uh, he's got all the potential in the world, but I think you know he would definitely be behind a number of the other guys Oklahoma's got offers out to. In my mind, uh, I think one of the comps I had was I think maybe a little bit of a higher ceiling, Adrian Ely, Adrian Ely. I don't know that he was, but he walked and looked like he was flat footed. I think it caused, you know, some past set issues. Uh, he, he doesn't Warren doesn't look flat footed, but a lot of the same playing high and grabbing you see, which you've got, you can coach that out of guys. You know, you can't right. teach the length and you can't teach the, uh, the athleticism. You know, you can't teach the tools that he has. Like that's why he, you know, is going to be recruited by every power five, you know, uh, in the country, just about what, if he said, Hey, I want to go there, they would say, you know, 80% of them are going to say, come on. Uh, it's because the tools are there. The tools are there to be developed, to be a, to be a, you know, I mean, what was Adrian Ely, a, a two-year starter on a, yeah. on playoff yeah. teams, right? Maybe a, then, young, maybe a young Tyler Guyton, like an embryonic Tyler Guyton. I don't think he has that athleticism. I think the things you hear about Tyler. Is yeah, that that's true. Okay. Yeah, he's, that's that right. He's, that he's got kind of next world athletic ability. I don't know that Warren's got that, but uh, I mean, but I mean, I see where you're going with that though, right? Because it's the same thing with Tyler. Like Tyler was just, uh, is probably still a little bit in terms of this ultra athletic guy that you've got to coach up and teach how to play the position. Uh, and then, and Warren is the same way in the sense that he is this guy with every physical tool you want. You're going to draw it up for a tackle. You're going to draw up a guy that looks like that. It's just, can we get him coached up? Yeah, I kind of see Warren as sort of like, yeah, I think there's some other guys that are much more refined, um, probably better natural tackles. But Warren to me just sort of seems like 
if he was your fifth O-line and you just let him sit and bake for two years, Schmitty Carwash, being be on, on technique, that you might really have something. So, you know, if he if Bennett Warren was our fifth offensive lineman signed in this class, I'd be I'd be pretty happy with that. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's one of those things I think I've always felt. Can you ever have enough offensive uh, tackles? You know, it's like, right. you know, it's like uh, pass rushers. You know, when you think you've got enough, take more, uh, you know, because I think you see uh, Georgia definitely goes with that, with, you know, some of their offers. You see, like, hey, we're good along the demons line. No, we're not. We're going to offer more. Uh, I'll tell you one guy that you didn't have on the list that's going to be at the March 4th uh, junior day that I do find interesting. It's a local guy, Norman North, Harrison Utley. Uh, I don't know if Oklahoma is going to take a center in this class. I think they should. I think it's kind of similar where I think, I think Utley can play guard as well. But when I watched his film, the guy he reminds me of at the same point, he really reminds me of Ricky Stromberg, the Tulsa union. Uh, played tackle Tulsa Union, played left tackle, and went to uh, Arkansas. He yep. was three or four years starter at Arkansas. He'll be one of the, you know, there's not a lot of centers taken in the draft. I think on average it's four to five, but he will be, you know, likely the second or third center off. You know, the Michigan kid will be one, uh, and Stromberg is going to be fighting for that second center spot. He reminds me of that. I mean, you watch him, he's well built. Strong, six uh, four, two eighty. Uh, you know, nasty kid inside. Local kid. I, you know, if you said, "Hey, if you told me Oklahoma's interior was going to be uh, Bricks and Poe at your two guard spots, and then Hutley was going to Hutley was going to be be a center, then we were going to take three tackles." I think you'd hit a home run with an offensive line class. Cool. Well, and Caleb, you mentioned uh, there's traits that. You can't teach. Chris, I know there's two guys on here with a couple traits that you can't teach. One with speed and another with some family genes. What can you tell yeah. me about these guys? Yeah, the, the the name that's been floating around is that Tovani Mizell, the running back from Maryland, he used to be in based in Florida. In fact, I think his cousin signed Aiden Mizell signed with Florida as a wide receiver. And I loved him on film. Um, he's apparently coming in. He's verbal to UGA. So that kind of speaks to DeMarco's relationship building powers with running backs. And the fact that OU has running backs like on the hoof. But the one thing Mizell brings is he's about 6'1, 190, but he is a legit 4'3 kind of kid. So it will be interesting to see if he comes in and this is just, you know, he's just punching his punching his uh his bingo card for recruiting yep OU visit you know and he's just going to move on or if something if something could happen here because he's dropped a little bit in the rankings I'm not quite sure why I think the Maryland move might have thrown him off a little bit but I mean he's he's legitimately about 190 pounds could easily be 200 pounds and he's a 4-3 guy he has that track speed and then we got a couple back two other last names. We got Drew Woodaz, the linebacker from Tampa visiting. His brother is at Clemson. Uh, a lot of connections to the OU family, OU coaching staff. I thought he was going to be part of this class, but I only see OU taking two linebackers right now. And OU's made great progress with Peyton Pierce. 
with Ty Anthony Smith in terms of Texas guys. And five-star linebacker Sammy Smith, sorry, Sammy Brown is going to be on OU's campus in March. We're just not sure when. And OU has a real shot there. They got real close connections to, to Sammy Brown. Uh, obviously, getting him away from Clemson and Georgia will be a battle, but I think OU is maybe in that battle for the long haul. So I'm happy Woodaz is coming back to the OU campus, but I'm, I'm just not sure OU has a spot for him right now. And then we mentioned him last week. We've got to mention him again. Uh, Ty Clean and Ty Coolhill Lumen, the Edge twins from Miami, Florida, will be on OU's campus. They're both about 6'3", 240. Great OU summer camp uh, last year. Earned their OU offers by coming to Norman and winning their offers in a camp setting. So it'll be fascinating to see what goes on with those guys because if they both want to choose OU, I, I'm, I'm not sure where OU is right now with that because – Oh, you have so many offers out at D-line. Well, to see more, you have your March recruiting prediction. It's on our board. Uh, you did add an extra edge player uh, from last week or last month. So uh, there's that could be your two edge players right there. Not the two uh, edge players I predicted, but yeah, it could be two edge players. Yeah, so, that, predi- that prediction is was so tough with all the guys in play right now. It's like trying to choose 25 kids out of like 200. Well, to see that prediction, head over to Sooners360.com. Check that out. We're talking about it on the board. Um, anything else recruiting-wise for 2024? Uh, I know we avoided the topic last week. So per NCAA rules, whatever those are anymore, we probably need to discuss Michael Hawkins this week. Uh, he just visited TCU. What's the latest with him? Well, he t- visited TCU Wednesday night. Everyone says all this. Everything indicates he'll be on Norman. He'll be back in back at OU this weekend. Is is a decision coming? I'm not really sure. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But OU is not really standing pat. They just offered a, a just a fascinating QB from the Philadelphia area named uh, Samaj Jones. He's about six foot 200, had about 2,500 passing yards, over 700 rushing yards. You watch his film, and I haven't watched a lot of it. I've only watched a couple of minutes. There's there's a, and it could be a recency bias, guys, but there's, there's like a whiff of Caleb Williams to what he's doing out there. So Caleb, I know you haven't had a chance to look at too much either. You got like a quick raw opinion on him? No, yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched the junior tape that's out there and then looked at their schedule because I did notice the the first clip when you watch his junior tape is uh, against Florida's uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, which you know, Jaden Davis is from there, both Bosa brothers. They produce, that's, you know. That's a serious, serious program. Serious yeah, football I mean, program. Yeah, probably a half dozen power five signees every year. You know, uh, it's just what they kind of do. Uh, and he's got some pretty good highlights against them. So it like jumped out that, Hey, you played against uh, the Gonzaga uh, school there in DC, the private school that Caleb Williams went to. So they travel that, that area, that DMV area up the coast play folks. I was with you. Uh, Caleb Williams, you know, you see the number two and he's from Philadelphia and you read Jalen Hurts is his favorite player. 
but truthfully, uh, and you know, this isn't as of today because Jalen's grown into a, an amazing NFL quarterback, but you watch Jalen like the channel view as a junior and this kid, he's a much more advanced and better passer than what Jalen was. Uh, but he's that level of runner. You know, like you mentioned, he's six, one, 200 to probably two ten. Same with it at two ten. some places, thick, powerful kid. Uh, and you know, I really, really like the guy. I don't know. I, I like him more truthfully, you know, uh, than uh, MVB, right? So uh, Michael Van Buren, uh, I, because Van Buren's just smaller. You know, he's five foot eleven, five foot ten, one hundred and eighty pounds, or whatever that is. Throws the ball maybe a little bit better, a little more accurate. But man, you watch Jones, and I don't know you know, background, like, has he had the same type of coaching? Like, you know, Caleb Williams got groomed. I mean, his dad might as well, uh, been God, uh, what was Robo QB's dad? Uh, Maravich. And, uh, yeah. He might've been Maravich, right. The way he was groomed with just personal coaches, personal quarterback coaches, sports psychologists, all these things. Like this kid hasn't had that. I don't think, um, uh, but he's got all that tools are there. You see one of the clips he throws, you know, stopped it and ran it back. He really just flicks it like 45 yards over the shoulder to, you know, a touchdown pass hits a kid going in. Uh, it's, you know, when you think to what Levy likes to do with the quarterback run game, a kid with his athleticism and his size, sturdy build, it would be, it would lend itself to, you know, potential, some, some big numbers in a kid that could, hold up to carrying the ball a lot. Yeah, there's, there's some um, – I wonder if oh, you can get him on campus in March. That would be interesting if he does make a quick visit. It sounds like Van Buren was talking about eight March and now is talking about maybe April. So there's lots of movements going on in the in, in the QB the QB situation. And 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 the Jones kid, is, it's a fascinating offer. It's kind of like – Wow, that kid's not a two, top two hundred kid. Then what is a top two hundred kid? Right, because he, he makes he he, he does a, the the best play I liked about it within the first sort of three and a half minutes I saw was he's scanning the field. He does this great drop down check down to a to a back who's just wide open. Um, and I was just like, wow, I love I love seeing that stuff. Like you know, not just the not just you know the slant right slant round to the receiver and the receiver goes sixty yards. I mean, this was, yeah. you know, this was, this was like high end QB processing, like, you know, not open, not open. Oh yeah, he is. And he just yeah. throws a nice soft pass to him, hits him in motion and the running back's just gone. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an, it's a, it's an interesting, like, whoa, I didn't see this coming offer really. Same, same. There's some things with him, but there's one of the plays where he throws like a big 50 yard pass. Right. And he, he knows the pressure's coming and he's going to get drilled, but I mean, it apps, it doesn't even change his motion. He's still, okay, fine. I'll, it doesn't matter. And, you know, uh, I, I think for me, he always liked that because, uh, you know, seven on seven is one thing, but no bullets are flying, uh, being accurate out there against air. Okay. Or can you be accurate and can you process information when everything is chaotic around you? And uh, he's got he's got some of those tools. I, you know, another thing worth mentioning, right, is uh, 
Kendall Bryles moving to TCU and then TCU losing uh, their former quarterback commit. He is decommitted and has opened his recruitment back up. A lot of people thought that uh, TCU having a quarterback already when Bryles took that job, you know, given that uh, Hawkins was thought to be, you know, uh, Arkansas with with Bryles and Oklahoma TC uh, Oklahoma with with Levy rather. You know, it's it's maybe changed a little bit. I'd, I'd be interested. I don't know. I don't, you know, everyone's thought Oklahoma for sure. But, you know, to your point, there's a number of things that have changed. It just seems like surface level looking at it that perhaps OU just isn't pushing as hard as some other schools for Hawkins. So this the Jones offer is is kind of out of nowhere, but at the same time, I feel like we've kind of been just silently waiting on, is there going to be more quarterback offers? Is there a possibility that there could be two quarterbacks in this class, um, which is kind of crazy to think about in the portal world, but in the position that we were stuck in after uh, he who is not to be named left, um, you know, I think we're kind of in a spot where we might need two quarterbacks. I don't think you're going to get two top 100 guys or anything like that. But, you know, this the Jones offer on many layers is interesting. Um, it's just a you, the quarterback is the one position that you don't want to get wrong because uh, typically there's only one in a class. And it just it. So far, we're we're into March, and it doesn't seem like OU really knows who their quarterback or who they want their quarterback to be. Yeah, or at least there's not the tea leaves for us to read to say. But yeah, you know, we, don't, we don't have the breadcrumbs right now telling us go here. Other than I, other than Hawkins, feel. other than Hawkins and his legacy OU relationship, right? That's that's what I'm hanging my hat on with the, the prediction. About Hawkins um, and his the last eight, two months, his eight visits up up to, yeah. to Norman or and whatever it yeah. is that now. And his brother has an offer. Um, his younger brother has an offer. It's it's we're gonna. I think we're gonna get some resolution on this pretty fast. At least Hawkins. Yeah. At least Hawkins I'm, wise. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm curious if you're not onto something there, Matt. When you say just not sure that. Uh, it's not a case where maybe Hawkins has Oklahoma as his one A, and Oklahoma has may potentially have him as you know undecided one B. Like we know we would like him and we'd take him, but you know you watch Jones and uh, I'm watching it right now, Chris, and, and and you aren't wrong. Like there's some comparisons to what you would see from Caleb as a junior. I think I think Caleb really elevated and changed uh, a lot of the perception on him. I say perception, but he went from hey, here's a guy who could be a five star to he went out and just dominated and did so well in all the camp circuit and the Elite Eleven, where it became like okay, he is a five star and he is potentially the top quarterback. I, I'd, I'd be really interested to see what what Jones does if he. You know, hits the camp circuit and goes to uh, some of these elite 11s and, and, and makes it to that because uh, lots of talent. And to Hawkins credit, he's doing lots of off season stuff, right? He's not, I had a bad football season. I had an okay football season. I've changed schools. I'm just going to kind of lay low. He's, he's everywhere, right? He's doing everything he can. So 
I don't know. I I'd feel a lot better about this whole situation if if the Elite Eleven camps had already gone on and we'd seen some of these kids in in uh, in the Elite Eleven showing. Well, the quarterback will definitely be something to watch uh, these next, uh, I guess, two months. Because if if MVB's pushing to April, um, you know, Hawkins could beat him to the punch next week too. So this could be over in a week. It could be over in two months. It could. Who knows? We don't want it to drag on much longer than that, but we'll have to see. And that would be uh, a late, a late. If we, oh, you took that quick QB in May, that would be really late. Yeah, the last time would have been when, uh, oh, God, help Rising, me. Rising bailed on us and we ended up with well, Mordecai. No, it would have been uh, Caleb Williams. He committed the 4th of July, remember? Yeah, After, but he was, uh, yeah, but he oh. was committed. He was, yeah, but he was committed. Like, that was just because we didn't have a spring game. Yeah, what was COVID? Because oh, of yeah. COVID, he would he would have he would have verbaled to us at our spring game if we'd had one. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say what was that? I can't remember the kid that's in Georgia. Like his name is uh, Brock Vandergriff. Yeah, who probably is never gonna play at Georgia. <laughs> Crazy. Maybe he can maybe he can back up Jackson Arnold next year. Yeah. <laughs> Comes full circle. Yeah, pretty right, much. Well, We'll we'll wrap up this episode with uh, two just kind of rapid fire questions. Um, we'll we'll stick to the recruiting first, uh, guys. How many verbals by Monday morning after the spring game will OU have? Don't everybody jump at once. All right, uh, you roll for that one first. All right, let me <laughs> let me do some quick math here. Uh, who I think is and remember involved. as of today, they have none, they have none. Um, and so we only got we at last year, we only added one after the spring game, and that guy didn't end up being a sooner. Um, the linebacker from Virginia who went to Miami. Ah, uh, okay, uh, what was that guy's name? I already forgot. Ah, uh, Caleb Spencer, Caleb Spencer. That is correct. Spencer. He was the only guy we added. All right, uh. All right. I'm gonna say five. I think I, I was I was leaning in, into that range, five or six, maybe. You can't take the same number. I was gonna say five, but I've got to change it now. That <laughs> all right? I, I'm the recruiting guy. I'll go out on a limb. I'll say six. I got six names. I think that could fall by April twenty fourth. I'm just trying to think of the guys that would be close. I mean, I'll, I'll say five. Um, Cause usually when there, there's no nothing and then there's one guy, there's, there's probably going to be three or four right after that. Um, I'm going to go with five. Okay. So in, Chris, you went with six. I did. I got six names on my on my list here. Do you want me to you want me to text you my names? See what no, no, there, no. bro. Well, I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say seven. I'm gonna say seven, and that's ridiculous. I I somewhat feel like I know that's not going to happen, but I would say I can see a place where there are some guys in my mind. Like this is a good example, maybe right? Uh, like Max Anderson. If let's say Oklahoma sees him as a guard. Uh, you've got bricks coming in. You know Oklahoma's going to want Poe, 
right? Do they offer Utley? There's going to there's going to be a scenario, particularly with some of these in-state offers, in my mind that Oklahoma has made, where the kid's going to jump and they're going to take that offer, and it's going to start a bit of a wave where you're going to have kids. Let's say Oklahoma takes just four or five defensive backs this year because of the class that they took uh, last year and the size of it. And, and you know, once you get uh, what is the more kid uh, that that Michael McDonald. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's say like McDonald, you know, pulls a trigger uh, sometime in the spring game. Is that sort of domino where you get somebody else that looks and goes, pretty sure that's where I want to go. Uh, same thing at running back, right? If Caden yeah, Durham think, pulls think, the trigger. I'll, say, I'll, I'll make a, I'll make an addendum to mine, which you'll probably agree with. I bet by April 24th, we have both running back verbals. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, that's where I was going. I was going to say, you know, you get Caden Durham, pull the trigger and you get someone like Peoples that says, okay, I know I want to go there. I've got to do this now because if I don't, I don't have a spot. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think of, you know, running back is that running back class. I would love yeah. Peoples and Durham. I would take that all day. Cause we're hearing, we're hearing just a, a little, a little, a little insider tip, right. For, for our podcast listeners. We're hearing great things about the frost running backs, aren't we? Yeah. 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 Which, uh, not and, all that surprising. And, and we already know how much we love Barnes and Sawchuck in, uh, in, in the FSU game. So DeMarco Murray, um, have yourself a beer tonight. Honestly, I wanted to like dig into that almost into, in the running back piece, just the fact that, when he came on, how depleted the room was, and then the 21 class, Riley made the decision not to take one. For him to have like got the running back room going into 23, where it's at, and then setting up the deck 24, he's he's uh, showing to be maybe one of the most consistent recruiter, one of the most consistent guys in the country. He's already got 25 running backs like, hey, I want to be the OU 25 rep back. So, but But... So we go. So we have me with six, a brave seven from Caleb and Matt. You're doing the you're doing the prices right, um, and you're you're taking five for the 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 showdown showcase. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know Venables has that policy in place. Yep, yep. It, it's it's huge for getting guys to commit when they are ready. It's yeah. not necessarily pushing them. Hey, right now, take this spot, and then we'll worry about the rest later. So I'll take five, but I don't know. We're we've talked about it a couple times where this year is months ahead of last year. Maybe we get that big push. Uh, how many recruits did they get last July into See, early August? It was like I'll, I'm, I'm pulling up the commit list now. I'll, I'll 20, give you guys the right? I'll give you guys the insight on. On last year, how many kids did we have committed by what date? While you're doing that, I think, Matt, you you hit on that. Like if you told me coming out of, let's say, you know, I don't know when classes end in Norman, right? Like first week of May, second week of May, whatever it is. If you told me exiting that, Oklahoma only had three or four players committed, uh, you know, let's say more uh, defensive back and, and two running backs and, you know, insert someone else. Then let's say they only had four. But then you came back and said, but August 1, they'll have 24 kids committed. I would say, yeah, 
that would. So, la- so last year we lost two kids, right? So I've got, we had Josh Bates, Jackson Arnold, Eric McCarty, plus the wide receiver, Ashton Cozart, right? He was a verbal going into spring. And then at the spring game, they got Caleb Spencer. So last year we came out Monday morning after spring with five commits. Oh man, maybe I'll revise. <laughs> <laughs> nope, you're locked in. Hey, I, mean, I think I feel what I go with seven. Yep, you went seven. You might feel better about that yeah. number. Yeah. We are at zero right now. Last yeah. year at May, uh, last year March first, we had it. We had three. We had yeah. four. So we only added one in the spring game. Yeah, I'm just betting there's going to be some. I'm just betting there's going to be some kids that are going to cause some some dominoes in a couple places. And I think like Nigel Smith's a good example. I think he's taken a ton of visits to everybody that he's interested in. Yeah. I think kids kids like that are liable to pop soon. But so many of these kids are going to take their. It seems like what has occurred is, you know, everyone takes their official visits during the summer, and you make the decision before your senior year. You know, the majority of these kids. So I think over the summer, and this is, you know, gives Oklahoma a great opportunity to get kids that you want in that are interested in and and, and really, you know, continue to fine tune that list. Uh, and but just going through the recruit through the offer list right now, Chris, like you are right. There are so many guys uh along the defensive line in particular, where you're like, man, Oklahoma's got a great shot with him, a great shot with this guy, so and so, so and so, but they they're not gonna take. 10 kids so it's how all of this shakes out will be will be interesting and fun to watch all right another thing fun to watch we'll end on this uh the combine kicked off today uh jalen redmond had himself a day uh looked looked in shape had some great numbers uh what 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 other sooners do you guys think will help themselves the most this weekend i'll I'll preface that by saying my pick would be Braden Willis. Do you guys agree with that? Or is another guy that you guys are thinking? Well, I'll let you have Willis. I got a different name. Perfect. Who you got? I was going to let, I was going to let Caleb go first. Cause I'm always stealing his people. <laughs> uh, I'll take Anton Harrison. Uh, I thought coming into the, well, once he announced really, right. I think I've, I've said this probably ad nauseum on the board uh, and, and then some of our group stuff. Majority majority of the NFL teams run, you know, not only a zone, but they're heading outside zone. And Anton is, is really athletic. I think one of the knocks on him would be, you know, maybe not as physical or as good in the run game, but a lot of what Oklahoma has done in the past has been uh, more of a power gap scheme. Uh, and this year they did do more inside zone, but or more zone, but a lot of it was inside zone rather, right? Which is really downhill, uh, can look a little bit more like power sometimes. I think when he gets out there and he gets to moving, uh, it's going to be, hey, here's a guy that might sneak into the first round. I think he's going to be a top 18, top 15 pick. Uh, I think he'll test well, but he'll move extremely well. He'll look good on the hoof. And, you know, he's, we all know he's been really good uh, in his past sets and a past protection. So I think, I think he's got the, you know, uh, his film, let's be honest, like his film just looks better than Wani Morris. I think Wani's got the opportunity to have a big, you know, big week. 
but you know, we can always go back to like, you know, this is the underwear Olympics. You've also got to turn the tape on and watch and see them actually play the game of football and make, make some evals off that. So. Well, I'm going to go with, I think if he's, if, if he's followed kind of like a, like a, like a Barry Spaceman program and gotten himself in the right, right, right shape. I think Eric Gray can have a good day. Go back and forth on him. He gets but, a good, good, good 40 time in. I think that could help him greatly because he did well at the senior bowl. Um, he did a good job at the senior bowl. He's a, he's a excellent running back uh, receiver. And um, uh, he's not going to, he's not going to be like a first round, third round pick, but you know, teams are constantly picking up fourth and fifth round running backs who are making their team and doing and showing out for them. So, so one last thing is, I'll forward this to uh, I'll forward this to to you guys, but uh, apparently David Stone is really pissed about his ranking drop because he just posted a workout video of him at IMG, where he's uh, he says he's six four two eighty five and he's doing uh, he's doing drills. He's out I mean, there. He looks riding. thicker than two seventy. He he looks every bit two eighty five, man. He looks he looks good. He's he's doing a drill. He's obviously he's apparently motivated. Uh, I, IMG opponents might, might not be so happy about on three's rankings if they keep this, uh, keep this acted to the fall. Yeah. I mean, man, he's so important to the class because to me, to that point of how developed he is, IMG has been so good for him. Uh, you know, where Gerald needed a, a red shirt year. I think David Stone, peace signs with Oklahoma. And early, of, and early yeah, enrolls. And, and early, early enrolls. enrolls. I think he comes in. And uh, I'm with you in that I'm a really big Marcus Strong fan, uh, particularly given the whole story, right, and everything. But I think Stone comes in, and he he's rotation year one, and he's potentially three and done. Like, he's he's got that. He's got that ability. And, I'm, you know, and, and that's where I think he's probably different than Uma, right? I think Stone's three and done. I think Uma's maybe four or five and done. Uh, it's just a different track, different journey they're on. But Stone is uh, – Let's hope Oklahoma can get Oklahoma kid back in state. I'll send you the send you this uh this Twitter link, but it's it's uh it's it he for a big guy, he's he's hoofing around. So all right, guys. Well, great episode as usual. Um all these players that we've t- talked about, uh the the upcoming visit weekend is just right around the corner. Uh, we're, there's going to be a lot of coverage on these guys, what we're hearing over on the board at Sooners360.com. Uh, there's also Chris's uh, class prediction. Uh, it, it's far out. He said it was hard, but uh, we've got info like that out there as well. Um, so also as another reminder, make sure you don't miss an episode going forward by subscribing to the show on your favorite platform of choice. And we will see everyone around the water cooler. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.